Number two, Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV on a Monday. Good to be with you. Thanks for being with us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. War Chant TV. Busy times, busy days. It's a good thing. As uh, we have opportunities now to talk to players and coaches. Before spring practice begins, tomorrow morning, bright and early, 6 a.m., uh, we'll be out there and uh, watching the end of the tour of duty and get an opportunity to see some of the newer players. That's all I really care about. See how some bodies have changed, maybe for the veteran players, for the good or the bad. I would assume the good for all of them. And then, uh, obviously, get a look at the newer players, get an opportunity. You know, can can tell sometimes by body type whether or not somebody's able to contribute early on, muscle densities there or whatever it might be, especially the younger guys. So you remember we we always bring it up, but there have been a few guys who the first time we ever laid eyes on them, we said, well, that's different. He'll probably be able to play year one. And one of those guys was Jalen Ramsey when we were in the indoor practice facility. There have been others, but yeah. So I'm I'm still on the 7 a.m. hour kind of a guy for wake up typically. It got beaten out of me the the 6 a.m.s and the five because if you work in sports. There's a lot of usually mm. late assignments and yeah. it just messes with you. So are you going to eat before you get there at six? No, I don't eat in the mornings. Period. Mm-mm. Okay. No, I don't typically eat until past eleven. I don't. Yeah. But you'll have coffee though. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> oh goodness gracious, yes. How many cups will you have before practice tomorrow? Probably four. Oh my. No, I don't know if I have time to have four since it's at six. Uh, I, four is about what I have before. I really get my day started. So, like, I get up. You're walking with an IV bag with, with coffee just up and down the I'm sidelines. I'm coffee right now. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, today's the day for it. Yeah. Like, we talked about hair. You're like, well, I don't know. I'm sipping on coffee. You yeah, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I don't know if you knew. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was joshing with him early on, but he wasn't in the joshing mood. So He's very much in the first week of we need to be ready mode, isn't that's he? That's fine with me. That was good. I mean, he was more than willing to expound on all of the players we made mention of and talked about the depth he had and didn't have and how far they'd come. If you missed that interview last hour, shame on you. Get your life together. Uh, it's on Warchant TV and uh, on YouTube there. You can find it. It'll be posted on Warchant.com as well. Uh, and then Wednesday, Tony Tokar is the quarterback coach. Uh, you'll hear the interview I did with him this morning. We break it up. And uh, last week, of course, we had Jared Verse. So it's a good time. I love to, the opportunity to talk to these guys. And I, I will say, and I'll continue to say, since Mike Norvell took over as the head coach, they've been uh, really open about uh, media access to to them, availability to players and coaches alike. Uh, I think it's a smart play. Uh, I think it can be hard to sustain that if you're not having the kind of success that you want to. I wondered when they were struggling, uh, would they continue to have uh, the open-door policy? I mean, obviously, it's it's within reason, uh, as it is everywhere, as it should be. Uh, But the answer has been a resounding yes. They really have not shied from tough questions. They've not been uh, inclined to deflect or to uh, avoid. They've been willing to talk. And obviously just saw with Adam, Coach Adam Fuller, uh, that that resonated yet again. I mean, straight to the point. He talked about making changes after they were 0-4, not getting off to the season, the start that they wanted, and how they improved. Uh, I think he's got to be pretty jazzed about what he's got going into spring. He's got concerns. We all do. Uh, Namely, uh, you know, losing uh, the defensive player of the year in Jermaine Johnson is, is tough. Uh, to to replace. I I thought he was careful about noting that uh, 
Jared Verse is a, is a different player than Jermaine Johnson. You know, he, he wants it to be out there right now. They don't expect that kid to walk in these doors and suddenly be that kind of productive. That's tough to do. Uh, you think about how long Jermaine Johnson had been playing college football and how much he had learned, how much strength he was able to add, all of those things, uh, before uh, coming here to Tallahassee and getting that opportunity to thrive. Uh, Kier Thomas, same thing. So, But they do have some depth along the defensive front. It will be interesting to see, are they able to get pressure? And I alluded to it while talking to him. You know, last year it helped that they were able to get pressure with the front four, that those two ends, in particular Jermaine, could wreak havoc on the passing game. Pressures, not just sacks, pressures, a lot of that, taking teams out of what they wanted to do. I think the other thing that was amazing is this idea that you know Jermaine got to the passer, but he also really defended the run extremely well, and we know Kier did that. So do you have that same sort of productivity against the run? Because that's a big deal too. So we'll see. Uh, I know Ira retweeted it. We're going to have Ira on later this hour, but uh, – you know, the fact that he mentioned that Farmer, Joshua Farmer, is up to 300 pounds, that is doing some things in the weight room. He has put on the requisite size. Uh, I know he's a strong kid. They played him three games last year. They want to play him a ton this year. So you got guys emerging along that defensive front. He did allude to briefly, and it was in an answer, I think, to the verse question or, or the discussion around verse, that you know if they need to work in pressures with their linebackers, they will. Mm-hmm. But but he did mention that, and I think that's something that we'll probably get into later in the week when we talk to Adam and, and we get to see what practice looks like, too, over the next 10 days or so. So they have four practices before they break for spring break for the university. So that'll be something to watch and see, okay, are you implementing those things earlier? Because in a way, you're conceding that you just can't have what Jermaine and Keir Thomas gave to you, or... Do you try it first last year's way and see what these kids can do, and then we'll roll out the pressures later? But it sounds like it's at the top of Adam Fuller's mind that linebackers might need to get more involved in pressuring the line of scrimmage. You feel like also, by the way, that this is, of course it it, it seemingly is, but I think it's sort of a a pivotal year for Amari Gaynor. I mean, for his career, for what he is at Florida State, all of it. It's a really important season for Amari Gaynor. There have been moments with Amari that you thought, okay, white ball may be going off there. Uh, Then there have been moments where you've thought, he's just not going to get to where we would need him to be or where we expected him to be when he committed. And there's still time. So this is a big year for him. And maybe, maybe if you have uh, consistency up front again and you have a little bit better depth at linebacker, where you can really, in his situations, pick your spots to 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 let it fly. Um, maybe he becomes a little bit more impactful. One thing I thought about Amari's game that stood out the last month of the season when he was out there, he didn't always get a ton of of actual reps. Right. He tackled much better. Much better. That That's tells I mean. me that your mind is slowed down and and the game is you're processing it better. But he was in better positions. His form was better. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when you see missed tackles, it's because somebody either has poor form or poor leverage, and they're just trying to make up for a place that they should already be. I thought he looked very controlled on the field. So there is there is potential there, and especially around the line of scrimmage, if you're in a third and obvious, he can help you. He's a kid that physically looks the part. Every time you see him, you think, well, that translates. Let's see then if, you know, instincts have always been a question mark a little bit for him, but... You know, for me, if the game slows down, like you said, if you're productive, then maybe you start to trust yourself a little bit more. Obviously, he had success last year. Take that next step because you know what you're doing and you feel good about it. And you have some guys around you that when you need a breather, you've got somebody to replace you so you can really 
ratchet up the engine there. I, I hope that's true. Uh, to recap, obviously, last hour we did mention uh, the miracle shot that uh, made us smile, Matthew Cleveland's shot on the road against Virginia to steal a win, to, to grab victory from the jaws of defeat, to shatter senior day in the blinding beauty that was Charlottesville, Virginia, to shatter NCAA tournament hopes for the said Cavalier program. Sounded like this. Prieto, the baseball pass. Cleveland, the catch. Good if it goes. Oh, he hit it. He hit it. Matthew Cleveland wins it for the Noles. Yeah, and you're happy for that team because the season has not gone the way that they had wanted. They've been injury-riddled. They also weren't playing well before they were injury-riddled. It should be noted that wasn't a good basketball team, but that didn't help. They had a ton of those injuries, and then this thing sunk into a dire place. Uh, obviously, nobody has been more supportive of this basketball program than the Jeff Cameron show over a number of years. Uh, So it's been bitterly disappointing to watch that play out, but to see that measure of satisfaction and sheer joy on their faces um, lit up the room, lit up the, uh, the day, if you will. Uh, loved watching the video of Ham, because uh, live when it happened, we're all jumping around just like they are, celebrating and camping. You, you're running across Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Do we have that? Do we have that picture? Yeah, we, we do. So my wife had showed up uh, in the second half, and I said, if we make this, because they moved it from point six to or point three to, to one. To one, yeah. So if we make this, I'll just run across the bar in celebration. Because I've done that before. Years ago for the Wake Forest game, I called a pick six mm. because that day that was the day that Aguayo misses only kicked the whole season. Yeah, but that I game about it. That game was over at like twelve forty-five. But uh, I called a pick six, and at that point we we did a lap around the bar, just like hands <laughs> held high. You know, I like doing that. I did that with a fantasy football win once as well. Right, right. So I'm gonna do that if it happens. And uh, our friend Bill Hayes captured a uh, still camera. on the security camera. Of me running across, and, and there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing Met stuff. I was in a golf tournament, and a captain was a, a Met fan like me. So that's why the orange and blue is on. But you can see the folks in the back right at Corner Pocket who are celebrating. My favorite part yeah. is that it's relatively kind of quiet, and folks here, obviously, in, in certain parts of the video, couldn't care less about Florida State's big win. However, this right corner, everybody is celebrating, and there's Tom running. He's running. I like it. Uh, cheering, applause, all the good stuff. Uh, yeah, but back to my point, because I'm jumping around and you're jumping around and everybody's jumping around, I didn't see the stone-cold pimp that is my man Leonard Hamilton just stoically calmly turn to walk to shake hands. No fist pump, none of it. I've been here, seen this, done this. I'll shake your hand, Tony. Have a good day, sir. It's a beautiful thing. Like, the heartbreak on Tony Bennett's face and having that wash over while Ham's already halfway to you as the ball's going through the net. I got this. Tony, we got to stop meeting like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we have had a number of great moments against Virginia. And you know what that win did? It guarantees yet another season in which Florida State has an all-time winning record against Virginia. That was the game for Virginia to even up the series all-time at 500. Had they won the game, they would have drawn even. But alas, they did not. They are not even. And you wait till we get some 26-year-olds in here to play in the front court. <laughs> Leonard's <laughs> dipping into that portal. He's getting old men to come down here. Virginia, your window was now. You blew it. We'll see. Uh, but I do think, yeah, 
a fun and important offseason. I'm going to be so intrigued by this basketball team's um, makeup for next year. I, I wonder of the group that we're excited about that has a long way to go but shows real talent. That group would include Butler, obviously. Matthew Cleveland, if he ever finds a degree of consistency with his shot. Uh, you think he's coming back? I don't know. It hasn't been a banner year for him as a shooter. Obviously, he can't shoot free throws. He's unbelievably athletic. He can get to his spots. He's gotten better at getting to his spots. Uh, I have pointed this out numerous times over the years, that the separation between production in college as a freshman and what fans think you should be as a five-star kid coming in as a potential one-and-done and the reality of what the NBA projects you as are very different things. Like The NBA can watch a kid come in and average four points a game and still see the value in him as a player in year four, year five of his NBA career when he's 23, 24, 25 years old. And so we get caught up and by we, I mean collectively as fans, we can watch a kid have a season that does not rank where we thought it would based on the high-profile nature of his recruit recruitment and, and then convince ourselves that, that that lack of production or consistency means he's coming back. And nine times out of ten, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. It, it, if the NBA still feels like that body type is unique and that athleticism is unique and they feel like, you know what, we'll develop the shot. We'll get him, uh, you know, very, very consistent by the time he's within our system for three and four years, well then, you know, I mean, um, he moves on. You know, he moves on. So I don't know. I mean, I said all last year Scotty Barnes was going regardless. It was very evident. There's a difference between Scotty Barnes and Matthew Cleveland. I mean, Scotty Barnes is a different-looking dude. And nobody, you stand down there on the floor next to Scotty Barnes, and that is a different cat. Uh, the, the the size, the wingspan, the density of explosiveness. muscle, explosiveness, the, the 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 willingness to I mean, if you think about an NBA game and the way that it's officiated, an NBA game, the way that it's defended, Scotty Barnes translated in the eyes of all those scouts for big reasons, and it, there was no doubt he could be wildly inconsistent last year, and it wouldn't have mattered. He was going. It's a little bit different with Matthew Cleveland. It's a little bit different. He's not Scotty Barnes in terms of body type. Now, he is freakishly athletic, and he will go to the league and all of those things. And I and wish he's getting him, smoother. He's getting better and better. But it has been a, a, a sloth, a slog. I mean, he's had a hard, tough time getting up that hill this year. Um, he's starting to come on. Slow your roll there. Right. And that's, yeah, <laughs> that's the way I felt about that game. I'm like, well, oh. you know, if you're going to fight and claw in that second half and put us in position, being down nine with however much time was left. Two and minutes and 15 seconds. And it's basically you that puts us in the position, and you finish it off. And you're the guy who hits the, the it's not quite a half-court shot, but you're the guy that hits that 30 shot. 30-footer. Right. Well, if you're going to have to go, then finish it. Don't let that be an awesome effort in a close and narrow loss to Virginia because we can't defend the inbound with you know five seconds to go. At least finish the job and get the win that we can always remember. Because Matthew Cleveland, even if he left is going to be a part of an FSU trivia question of what's the best buzzer beater you've ever seen or what's the most unlikely shot or moment you've ever seen in program history. Well, Matthew Cleveland's moment is now etched. Doesn't help us get to the tournament unless we have one magic week in Brooklyn, but still, at least you have a real memory there rather than, oh, remember when he figured it out against Virginia just in the nick of time for us for him to not come back and we never really saw the best of Matthew Cleveland? So, but we'll, we'll always have that video. Right, right. Harrison Prieto deserves a lot of credit too, and I have failed to mention him in this segment, but 
listen, what a game he had. And it's not the first time this year that he's had a big game. I think back on that Syracuse game where he opened everything for us. Um, it's, it's just exciting to see a kid like that. 14 points, 6 of 8 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, uh, 6 boards and 27 minutes off the bench. It was really important because your guy, Cameron Fletcher, was MIA, and um, man, it drives me nuts with him. I never really know, but thanks for the two points. Um, you know, at some point, we'll get some consistency out of him. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm still on that bandwagon. There's not, there's not a foot off. I know. I know. I listen. I'm not saying there's it's, just so much raw ability there. I would just have hoped by you know marches tomorrow. But we have moments. We have these moments with him where you're like, oh, that'll work. That'll work. Oh, that, where has he been? Oh, yeah, he's not nothing today. Few players in Florida State history, and I mean this, can get from the three point line to the basket with a, the fluidity and and the variety of moves that Cameron Fletcher does. Doesn't always finish, and then there's this whole other side of the court that you got to play on. That's a devastating side of the court, Tom. That's not one we want to talk about when we talk about his game. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts, for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV, Ira Chappelle, Warchant.com. Going to join us in a couple of minutes, and we'll start uh, our conversation that we're want to do on uh, on Mondays. Looking forward to it. Uh, busy, busy time. Tomorrow morning, we'll all be, uh, we'll be up and ready to roll. We'll be uh, over there at the stadium covering... The end of the tour of duty, just before the start, obviously of uh, spring football. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to see some really good things from some of the younger guys that are going to look like they can contribute. I mean, I, I, not even younger guys. I should say the newer guys, the new guys, because not everybody's a young guy that's coming in. So, um, I, I'm, I can't wait till they put on the pads. I mean, that's you know, I get only so giddy about the start of something. I I need to see them put on the pads. I want to see the new receivers, obviously. Tatum Bethune at linebacker is somebody I'm very excited about. And obviously, I'm kind of partial already to Jared Verse just because he's such a good kid and was fun to talk to. And that was a great uh, conversation that I got to have with him last week. So I want him to succeed because I know how much he wants to succeed. I will say that. Yeah, it'll be interesting just to watch because it's kind of a fits and starts spring practice that's typically the way with a spring break that's in the middle of it but you'll get your acclimations and then i guess they'll put on the patch just before they leave for spring break like one time and then they come back a week later but it's there's a big gap there the week that everybody has off here with all your kids if you've got families and they're in school uh that spring break week the week of the ncaa tournament when that's all when that all gets started there is no practice so there's this build-up then there's practice number one on Saturday, which is also a huge recruiting day. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint, war chant, TV, all that stuff. We'll have a lot of coverage for you there. But then it goes Saturday, I believe, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we'll have a lot of information, and then it's kind of a hurry up and wait. 
But I, I look forward to it. You just need the information. This speculation and these previews, they're all fun, but we want to see the real thing. I want to see those four new receivers and see what it looks like. Uh, Caden Lyles, uh, as mentioned there from Ryan, I saw, did take the squat party uh, title there, as he, um, as you as you would hope, coming in, experienced as he is, his age, all of that. They got we've we've been in a position to largely ignore or gloss over offensive line play going into spring. We're just making certain assumptions about the competency of an offensive line that we haven't assumed that about in a number of years. So that's exciting. The crazy thing is, yeah, close to the football, you feel pretty yeah, good. you feel pretty damn the good. The interior of the O-line, the interior of the D-line, not yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. All right, I see him sitting there. He's ready to go. Let's do what we do on Mondays. We bring him in. And added benefit for those of you watching on War Chant TV, you get to see the features. You get to see the... Uh, the, the mug of one, IraChafelWarchant.com. Hello, Ira. It's an added benefit or uh, maybe not. It's uh, <laughs> depends on your perspective. Well, you look like you're chipper today. You're feeling good. I can tell you look happy. You got a good night's rest. Ira, you look great, buddy. Yeah, man. I'm just uh, just enjoying your interview with Adam Fuller. What would you take away from that? What would you take away from that? Uh, you know, it just reminded me of kind of what happened last year and how it was almost like two, two different seasons, mm. that first four games. Uh, first five games, and then the rest of the season, the way the secondary played, and I thought, you know, I mean, he, you know, came out and said it. I mean, it, it really was when they uh, put Jamie Robinson at safety, put Kevin Knowles at nickel, and uh, got Akeem Dent back at safety, that it changed everything. And, I, you know, I'd kind of forgotten, you know, looking back at some of the games early last season, last week when Brendan Gant, when it became official that Brendan Gant's moving to linebacker, I went back and watched a little bit of the first few games of last season when, in a lot of those games, you had Brendan Gant playing safety. You had Renardo Green playing safety. Uh, you had a much different looking group back there, and I think they found something in the second half of that season. And I'm, you know, I'm probably like a lot of people excited to see what that group might look like uh, going into another year. Yeah, well, they've got options. You know, that's the thing. I mean, I, I we briefly kind of talked about Sam McCall and. Uh, and Thomas and, and those kids, but I, you know, I didn't really mention anything about like what if Sidney Williams takes a step forward. You know, he was right. a, he was a thumper that guy. I didn't even really get to bring that up to him. I, I liked him when he was on the field. Now he wasn't great in coverage, but he he he'll hit your ass. Um, so they yeah. got they have versatility there. A lot of guys gained a lot of experience. Some of it uh, the hard way, but they took their lumps. And and you would like to think that they're going to be able to find that group to be pretty consistent. Yeah, no, Sidney Williams, it's a good point to mention him. He did uh, – he's a very physical player, and I thought, you know, showed some signs early last season. Then he got injured, and it was um, – we never really got a clear understanding of – you know, Mike Norvell is very close to the vest when it comes to injuries and t giving diagnoses. Uh, but the fact that he never came back last season was kind of surprising. But he's on the roster. He's expected to take part this spring, so we'll we'll see what he looks like. Um, but, yeah, you have him. And then, you know, I know you guys mentioned a little bit with Shaheen Brown as a guy that – Last year made a lot of plays in practice, created a lot of turnovers, caused fumbles, picked off passes, uh, but really couldn't get on the field. And I, I, I'm curious to see how that plays out this season. I mean, you do have a lot of guys who have either played a lot and a lot of guys who have started a lot, and uh, there's only so many guys that can be out there. They play a lot of defensive backs, but you can't play more than six. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's a position where you, you might see – at the end of the spring, certainly not any of the younger guys, but if an older guy or two is not in the mix at the end of the spring, you wonder if they may look to find a, another pasture. 
So let's go back through. How many more times have you watched, uh, for those that haven't gone and looked at and read the breakdown, they should, how FSU basketball pulled off its stunning last-second win at UVA. How many more times have you watched it since we talked yesterday on the Sunday Smash? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, come across my timeline a couple of times. I've checked it out. It uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those plays. You know, you joked about it, how you went out afterwards with Bryce, your son, and, and kind of tried to mimic it a little bit. Yeah. It's funny because that night I was thinking to myself, "You, everybody does that. Every kid does that when yeah. you're growing up. One hundred percent. You do the last second shot, three, two, one, and you. But I've never seen anybody even try to do that. Like that's not <laughs> one you've even seen. I mean, you've done half court shots, three quarter length shots, um, you know, shots falling out of bounds. But I don't know if I've ever seen anybody even attempt to like catch a ball going backwards, turn and fade away uh, a three pointer at the buzzer." But Matthew Cleveland did it, man. I, I don't know, again, I don't know if he could recreate it today, but but he, uh, he certainly nailed it that night. It was a lot of fun. It's there, There's something really fun about that. You are 100% correct. Even, I mean, everybody watching that game, if they care about basketball at all and they loved sports growing up, they did things like that. Maybe not that. You didn't try to – you didn't know that was possible to even recreate. <laughs> yeah. But but you did a thing where you caught the ball, turned, and shot, and you did the countdown in your head. I would do that with my friends for hours, and we would devise – and we would recreate all of the famous last-second buzzer beaters that we had ever seen up to that point because everybody's got a lexicon. They can remember the seven or eight or 20 that stand out, both from the NBA – to college basketball. Obviously, I brought it up last hour. The Leitner play is, is is everybody's famous one that you'd catch, bounce, pivot, shoot the fadeaway, all that stuff. But I can think of a, a countless other shots that you couldn't wait to try to recreate. A lot of kids on Saturday were probably going to recreate that one for a long time to come. That's cool to be a part of that if you're Matthew Cleveland. And even if he does go on to the NBA, that'll be in Florida State's lore forevermore. We'll see that every year on the anniversary. Yeah, it definitely would have been cool if it was in a bigger game. Um, but yeah, it kind of remind you know the play uh, Jesse um, for FSU softball had yeah. a couple of years Warren, ago. Yeah, yeah, Jesse Warren had, um, and uh, you know I don't know if you remember FSU did a kind of a tribute video. It was pretty funny. They had like players from all the other teams, I think, do some sort of recreate recreation of it. Um, and I mean, it's just a it's one of those things that is it'll be an iconic play. I don't you know the, the other thing about this team, and again, I'm real anxious to see what they look like this week because you know. It's been a roller coaster these last couple weeks, particularly where they looked listless against North Carolina, came back and played really hard against Duke, just didn't have enough gas in the tank to to pull off that upset, then looked terrible against Boston College, then came back with a really inspired effort against Virginia. Even before the heroics down the stretch, they had played well. Yeah, they played hard, real hard. Yeah, yeah, and they played hard particularly. Um, so I'm curious to see what these look like, what they look like this next week. As uh, you know, they prepare for that one magical week in, in Brooklyn. There it is. You got the reference in tomorrow morning, bright and early, buddy. You want me to bring you some coffee? Uh, no, man. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna be focused on work oh. and going back and taking a nap <laughs> after we're all done. Probably. You're already Six dreaming of that nap. I can hear it. You're already dreaming of the post practice nap. That's hey. It's like uh, that's what I was telling. I was telling uh, somebody the other day. Like the, the only the only good sound about like when it's really cold. Is that man? You get to go inside and sit by the fire. Well, the only thing good about waking up that early, I know you get up at uh, knows buddy, when, yeah, but early. is uh, is getting back to take that nap. So I'm going to take advantage of it tomorrow for sure. I'll see you over there, brother. Be well. Talk to you later. You, man. All right, that's uh, IrishFL WarChant.com. Tomorrow we have some little headlines, and so he and I will be on the air along with Corey Clark, who is uh, going to be in Atlanta doing the show with us. Uh, but we will have had the opportunity to reflect on what we saw that morning. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what you're going to glean from the end of the tour of duty. It's just a lot of kids running really hard, jumping around, doing their things. But you can look for athleticism. And, and like I said, some, some, of the, um, some, of the, some of the things about their body types, whether or not they're going to be able to contribute. So we're not, we're not together as a Seminole Headlines team tomorrow at the uh, practice at 6 a.m.? No, McCory somehow ducked out of it. I don't know what he did to get out of that, um, you know, but uh, he somehow found a way out of it. It doesn't bother me to be up at that hour. Like I said, I'd rather enjoy it. It's, it's enjoyable to drive across town over towards campus. At that hour in the morning, there's nobody hardly on the road. Um, I'm usually somewhere deep within my thoughts, Tom, uh, and, and, and kind of contemplating the day and the, and the week to come. But uh, also, tomorrow... First day of March seems like a new beginning, like a, a perfect time. We get to spring forward in March, which is oh, the we best. Do. It's only a couple so, of weeks away. Oh, buddy, that feels really early this year, and I'm fine with it. Oh, it could, it should happen. It should have already happened. It should have never happened that we lost it. But let hello, me, Twilight Golf. Yeah, Twilight Golf sounds good. Your boy will be skiing out in Montana as we roll the calendar over. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Who? Me? Yeah, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. By the way, Tom, I didn't even get a chance to mention it. What a kick in the cojones over the weekend to find out Ali Marpet, the Bucks' Pro Bowl guard at the tender age of 28, has said, peace to football, the kicks just keep on coming to those testicles my goodness gracious it was still worth it but that one that one oh uh, that one hurt your feelings it made sunday a little tougher yeah yeah and tell me you weren't like what 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 is this how does what is going on here i was devastated well it's just one of those things when you read it you don't believe it you're like oh whatever that's not real and then i see that you know greg allman who has to tweet everything the incident happens down in tampa like he lives for that instantaneous gratification he had like four tweets up about it already. I was like, oh, well, you can take that to the bank. Yeah, he does. Uh, Greg loves... He loves the keyboard. <laughs> he does. He does. Um, but hey, listen, when I'm looking for comprehensive coverage, that's where, you know, I like to see his work. I wanted to let you know that the uh, the frustrations regarding Ali Marpet taking it on down the road uh, were coupled today with the news that the Bucks had to push back the return of the creamsicle uniforms. They will not return next year. What? It's been moved to 2023. I'm beginning. We're to never think, getting there. I was just about to say. I, I, I don't. I'm beginning to think they're full of it. The number one crime of Brady's retirement is he wanted to wear those, and we never got to see him don them. Also, it's just stupid. And, and purify them in his alkalinity. But it's also just stupid. They never should have had them go away to begin with because of what. "Quote unquote," you couldn't change your helmet. What? What in the hell was all that nonsense? They hit behind some BS. Like only one helmet for safety purposes. It was nonsense. That's stupid. Every other team in the league's doing it. But according to the Bucks themselves, they tweeted it out. Yeah, they were, they tried to turn it into a positive, and it kind of pissed me off even more. They should have just been depressed along with the rest of us. But what they wrote was big news: crew, of course, crew is spelled K R E W E. Throwback uniforms returning in 2023, and then they had the orange heart. No, man. I read that and was like, what the hell are you talking about? They're coming back in 2022. And then the thing underneath it, due to global supply chain issues, we will have to wait one more year than we hoped. Our, our uniforms are somewhere in China. We can't get them. What is going on here? Unbelievable. You know, how, how does hockey do it? Should, should hockey teams have to pick one color for a helmet? Because my goodness. 
They have like four. We haven't worn them since 2012. Mm. The rule change happened in 2013. Um, we beat the Packers with Josh Freeman in those things one time. I remember yeah, that. I picked that game, if you recall. It was our first win of the year. It was a big one. Yeah. I know. I know. I remember seeing uh, Dr. Mario Encinosa that day after I had correctly predicted on Friday that we'd win that game. Was it Tenard Jackson who had a big day that day? I think it might have been. There's a yeah, name. That part I had forgotten about. Um, but anyhow, listen, yeah, we don't get it. We don't get it next year. So if you thought next year was going to be disappointing anyhow, and it was going to be disappointing anyhow, let's just add to the level of frustration. We don't even get the, the glory. Oh, I happen to be wearing it right now. There you go. Um, frustrating. We'll see. I don't know. They, now they got to find a guard uh, and, and a good one, a Pro Bowl-level guard at that. Tenard Jackson, 35-yard interception return for a touchdown with under a minute to go to seal it and put the Bucks up two scores. Tell him to suck it. That was a beautiful thing. Uh, indeed he Get did. Get you some Green Bay. Get you some Green Bay indeed. Yeah, we do have, as I said last hour, though, a lot to be excited about as far as conference tournaments beginning. I mean, you can get... As frustrated as we might be with the season that Florida State's had, uh, I do get excited about the fact that um, that we have a chance to dive in. Selection Sunday is nearly upon us. I do love the tournament. I love conference tournaments, even though it's a made-for-TV money grab. I still love it them. It also gets you the- an automatic bid. That's kind of <laughs> nonsense. It's stupid that it, that it not- does. It is nonsense. They but steal you know bid, what? Yeah. Sometimes nonsense works for you. Just ask Georgia from like 10 years ago. Remember when they that there was a tornado that hit Atlanta? Tornado that hit Atlanta, yeah. And then they ran. It, they they did it. And they were worse than this FSU basketball team. So, could happen. The uh, I would I would point out to you that the SEC did a documentary on that, and they've run it 550 times. I swear to God, every time I flip around towards this time of the year, uh, they're like, oh, the magical run from Georgia amidst a tornado and the whole – yeah, they, they show it every year. I was in Atlanta for that. Were you? Oddly, yeah. My sister lived in College Station right next to Georgia Tech campus. My brother and on, uh, my brother-in-law and I were playing video games late into the night that night, and apparently the tornado went right by. We didn't hear it. <laughs> we were cranking tunes. It'll be time to make some wagers. We'll do it momentarily. Jeff Cameron, show ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. We talked about the players' anger and the trajectory of the negotiations or lack thereof in Major League Baseball between the union. And the owners and uh, baseball is uh, seemingly hell-bent on shooting themselves in the foot yet again, Tom. Devastating news today that I've put on the back burner just because it hasn't happened yet, and I'm holding out hope for that 11th hour deal. But a great article from Jeff Passan this morning uh, that I would invite you guys, if you care about baseball and are interested in what's going on, at least his perspective of this. And, And I think he's right. Um, you know, you mentioned last week that uh, these things have inched along for almost a year with very little progress. Uh, players were, of course, locked out by the owners, and then they just sat back and looked at each other and did nothing. Um, but just so you know, in summary, I thought this paragraph was pretty fitting. Player pay has decreased for four consecutive years. Even as industry revenues grew, franchise values soared, and the would-be stewards of the game Pleaded to anyone who would listen that owning a baseball team isn't particularly profitable. Players' service time has been manipulated to keep them from free agency and salary salary arbitration. The luxury tax, instituted to discourage runaway spending, has morphed into a de facto salary cap. Too many teams are nowhere near it anyways, instead gutting their rosters and slashing their payrolls because the game's rules incentivize losing. 
The commissioner has called the World Series trophy a piece of metal, and the league has awarded the team that did the best job curtailing arbitration salaries as a replica championship belt. Uh, so it's this is we're all staring at the owners again. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing again. But just as, I don't know, maybe it's just I'm getting older, I've seen a, a few business negotiations in my time rather than you hear about it from, like, your dad who was in the industry. Mm-hmm. They know that they're always going to win, so what's the incentive? You know, they're always going to ultimately win. It, it's hard to beat the owners straight up. Now, you could get concessions to a degree, but they believe that a fan base is still going to turn out the moment that opening day happens. And, of course, they want their gross revenue – but they knew that the pinch point for the players to get them to concede was a hard deadline that they create when it comes down to games. Otherwise, they're going to be fine. So this is a natural course of things. The question is, was it a bluff in terms of today was the deadline before opening day gets moved, or was that not real at all? And by Wednesday, they say, oh, magically, we can start on March 31st. We'll see. They felt like they made concessions by upping the average base salary um, significantly, not overwhelmingly so but that is not seen as a a olive branch by 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 the players because of all the other things that they wanted to certainly have as part of the discussion i guess my point is there could be no real negotiation that the owners want to take part in unless there's pressure yeah and how do you create pressure proximity to opening day so this was always going to take this long it sucks and it's a tale as old as time that baseball will go above and beyond what is reasonable i love to to hurt itself like, it was unbelievable that hockey last time around extended its CBA before it was a problem. That's unheard of. This is more of the norm, where they cannot wield the stack of chips that they have on the poker table and bully the players until the stakes get high enough that that giant pile matters. Because the players' pile is pretty big, too. Now it's starting to matter. So this is this week, I think... If it doesn't happen this week, then we're looking at the 90s well, all over yeah, again. Yeah, well, but. 94 happened, and by the way, they didn't come flocking back to the stadiums. That's why Maguire Sosa became so important, because they weren't coming back. Fans at that point had grown that kind of frustrated. This reminded me of hockey when they screwed themselves. It took years to undo that. Yeah, yeah. They had a lot of momentum in the 90s. Well, because right season. after the Rangers winning yep. the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup, they could not have been hotter in terms of a upward trajectory in the eyes of the collective. Uh, sports fan in this country, right? That was something where, like, oh, my God, hockey's actually winning. At that time, hockey had drawn to a place where it was akin to, now the world's changed a lot since then, but it was akin to the NBA. It was getting that kind of close. And then they shot themselves in the foot. And they had a half season still. I think they played 50 games or 48 or whatever it was. They did it again about 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But baseball has a pronounced history that even though there are other examples, NBA lockout, baseball is just quite special in this regard. But I, there, nothing was ever going to happen before now is my point because it doesn't behoove the owners. You need to have the pressure in order to get the players to cave to what you want. Before we do our wagers, I should note that I like to read in my inbox, Tom, things like this. Redacted won one day. Jeff won two plus totals. Blank has first pick this week. Just like to read that sentence. That was the golf results from the weekend. One more time. Sorry, I wasn't prepared for the redaction. Redacted won one day. Jeff won two days and totals. Oh, okay. Redacted now has I, first okay. pick. Understood. <laughs> that's a fun read, isn't it? That's a that's a good read. Yeah, no wonder you got a little bounce in your step today. I love those kinds of reads. Well, I had Shane Lowry, which I mentioned at the end of last week. Now, a couple things here. I think he got a little screwed there with the heavens opening up and having to hit that tee shot. 
in need of a birdie on 18. Props to Sepp Straka getting the win. But uh, yeah, he played well. He though. played great. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he did. He'd never win again, but he played great. <laughs> uh, should should note, by the way, uh, our boy Daniel Berger from Florida State could not have choked any worse than he did. Okay, so My here's what's God. interesting. Here's what's interesting about that. That look in his eyes all day. I mean, from about Which whole, is weird whole three because on. he's been clutched before. It doesn't make any sense. He has, but I am here to tell you, as somebody who walked the grounds at Whistling Straits last fall, Brooksy bailed him out on day one. He was fa- he was careening into the side of the mountain. I thought day two, we'll see. He hits his first tee ball right down the middle. They were playing all shot. So I thought, oh, yeah, he's yeah, fixed. He crushed it, yeah. And he wasn't. Daniel was wayward in that in those events, and I'd never seen it quite like that, where it's just when it goes bad, he can't find it. But I think that's one of those things where, because he was overcooking stuff. You, yeah. you could see it on three. Everything was overcooked to the left, and it just sent him spiraling, especially when the ball plugs in, in the bunker on three. But it's like Tim Lincecum. When it goes wrong, who can help you? Jim Furyk. When it goes wrong, and you've got a quirky-ass whatever it is, mechanic to whatever yeah, it is you yeah. do, how do you go find no, help? It's all going to be here, yeah. Well, he, after he ends up, Obviously, uh, dunking it out of the uh, out of the sand, uh, you thought, okay, right the ship here. And in truth, he does. He pretty much spends the rest of the day playing just plus one because he was already right, so right. bad off the tee early. But he gathers himself and fights like hell just to stay at you know for the rest of the round at almost even par. But the reason that I would I would look at his facial expression is because it, it's quantified in the putter. He didn't make anything over twenty nine inches except one time. One time. He didn't make anything under three feet or over three feet except for one putt yesterday. Well, That's all between the ears, 100% of it. Yeah, he also, I would note that uh, his proximity to the hole with the putter for the lag was a problem. Like, yes, he's lag, blowing him five, six feet you know, by. Lag, lag putts were a real issue. I'm like, okay, well, my man, just cozy. Oh, 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 we're not cozying on up there at all. That's ten feet by. There's just a lost. I don't, I don't know where it is. I can't find it. Panicky expression in his eyes all day long. Now, to his credit, in his post round presser, he handled it very well. Oh, he was yeah. clearly not pleased to be there, but he handled that well. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure about him and how he'd handle something like that. He's, but he did very well. He was matter of fact about it. He said, it's no. I mean, it's going to happen. But on the course, for those four hours, just if he is in position in a major again, and he's been there before, he's been on the first page of leaderboards and plenty he's, of majors on the weekend. Yeah, and he's also won on tour. Yes. Oh, several times. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. But ugh, this is not going to be in the back of your mind until you find a way to expel it. It's one of the things that I love most about the sport. We talk about it being a meritocracy, man. I mean, think about the fact that that guy has won on tour, has been in a Ryder Cup, Cup has been a top 20, is a top 20 player in the world, is a model of consistency, and yet, despite all those accomplishments, and he was a monster here at Florida State, if you go look up at his numbers, that can still creep in, even for a guy like that. Well, I mean, in fairness... Look at Rory. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you win on majors, multiple majors. You're, you're this close to the career grand slam. And now he wins everything but majors, right? And it looks different. It looks different in, in February for, Rory, well, March, a better example, because he plays well in this state all the time. Yeah. And September. Boy, he really gets it together in September for those individual, you know, uh, tour championship playoff events. But somewhere in between. My man. Yeah. On that Friday or, or that Thursday, he'll fire a cool 79. He'll make the cut, but you're like, well, you're out of it before it even starts. What gives? <laughs> North Florida Payroll Services locally owned for nearly 15 years offering payroll and HR services including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. 
we should also announce that uh, we're happy to have North Florida Payroll Services aboard as a sponsor of the golf tournament. They are one of our main sponsors. We'll be rolling out official announcements, but since uh, the live read was there, uh, the JCS Invitational, uh, they've hopped on board to be a very high-level sponsor. So we appreciate uh, Mark, Philip, the folks over at North Florida Payroll Services. Uh, I failed miserably today. So busy with the interviews that we were doing stuff to really push the golf tournament, and uh, for those who need to sign up and get get going here. So we can have a wager then, based upon that. Uh, at the beginning of the show, there were only four slots remaining. You heard me, four remaining for the tournament. Over under two and a half remaining by the time we sign on tomorrow. I think it'll be closed. It might be. So if you've been thinking about it, people out there. Four slots remain. We might have something open up, an alternate situation, but there is there are no promises that we can give beyond the four that are left. Yeah, get in. Like uh, you can post it up on the screen if you want. But uh, really quickly, uh, wagers. Uh, give me North Carolina and give the seven and a half against Syracuse. Is that fair? Yeah, Toronto's gotten it together. Give me Washington plus one twenty at home to straight up beat Toronto. I like it. There we go. Good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to Coach Fuller and earlier today, Coach Tokars, who you'll hear on Wednesday. And be well. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.